0: It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Hey, hey, time to make the dough rise. Once again, Walter Storholt here alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner, Living Worth Wealth Advisors, serving you in the lake country and beyond. Find us online at Livingworth.com. Got a great show on the way for you today. What is 2023? Going to have in store for all of us. We are going to do some prognostication, some prediction. Well, maybe just some analysis of uh, you know what to be on the lookout for as we turn the page this year. Before we get to all of that, though, Brian. Hello, good to be with you, my friend.
1: How's it going, Walter? It's
0: pretty doing, doing right today. I'm doing great. I'm you know it's a great time of year. We're recording this. Uh, can we call this mid December yet, Brian? Yeah, I'd yeah, like I think say so. we're mid December. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, we've gotten all of our shopping done for various family members. We're ready for travel and visiting and all that good stuff. I, I did make yeah. the mistake of going into a Walmart on a Saturday. This past weekend, though, and uh, I just I didn't even think about it as I was going in to get like, you know, those angel gifts, angel tree gifts, you mm-hmm. could pick, pick a gift off the tree or the those tag kids. and go buy it and mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, a local kid. So I was getting some of those and I walked into the Walmart and I was like, mistake, mistake, it's so crowded in here. <laughs>
1: it was a bit <laughs> yeah, insane. I, I did Costco last weekend and that was,
0: that also was a mistake. Oh, that's even crazier. Costco yeah. is, co- Costco is crazy all year long, uh, let alone near the holidays. So. Very true. Yeah, yeah, very true. How about you? You guys, you guys have some fun travel coming up, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, we've got all our shopping wrapped up and I first of all, I love to talk about my great accomplishments at the beginning of the podcast here. <laughs> and I think the one that I'm most proud of this year is with the help of producer Andrea, I was able to secure Taylor Swift tickets whoa
0: that is big news
1: if that's not a flex i don't know what is yeah i mean that's like you're you're
0: like a a, a tenth of one percent of the population that was able to get through the ticket master craziness to get taylor swift tickets
1: yeah it, it's funny everybody in the family signed up as super fans okay which then they i think they they, they say they randomly selected some of those for pre-sale mm-hmm. so we actually got in on the pre-sale which was interesting because i, I think like was it f- um I forget how many millions of tickets they, you know, they sold within a few hours, but I did the math and and in a conservative estimate, I think she sold somewhere close to $700 million worth of tickets in, you know, less than a day.
0: Insanity. Just insane. But
1: the demand is just massive. And so I bought them for my daughters. We got six tickets and we're all going as a family. It's going to be a fun time. But man, when I look at the resale of what I could get for those tickets, it's almost worth throwing my family under the bus for. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I've seen some. <laughs> I wouldn't.
0: Like some, you know, maybe these are floor seats or really close or something, but I've seen stuff that's like people willing to pay tens of thousands of thousands. dollars. Yes. It's crazy. Just insane. I, I can't imagine spending that much on a, you know, three hour event, but my goodness. Taylor well,
1: Swift's quite the phenomenon. So, congrats but anyway, yeah. So, 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 that was the big victory for the year, and then we're headed out on Thursday. Uh, like I said, it's what is December thirteenth today. Okay, and uh, you know, we'll talk about what the market's done and things like that. That's great. Relatively I, close to the end of the year, but yeah. I'm would you consider
0: out. yourself a Swifty, By the way, or you're, you're just along for the ride so with the girls?
1: I have been pulled into being a major Swifty because okay. my middle daughter, Lily when spotify sends out their annual wrap up of like what you listened to this year and yeah. who your favorite artists uh-huh. were which is a lot of fun if you haven't done it try it out but she is in the top 0.05% of taylor swift listeners wow in the okay. world that's pretty wild
0: so she's so definitely she knows classified every- as a swifty then
1: yeah, she knows every album, every song, the lyrics, Taylor's version, and and she loves to. Sit, I, I love to have her uh, sit next to me, and I, I just let her talk and talk about Taylor Swift songs all day long. So uh, yeah, I know way more than I should. It's
0: crazy. What what a what an interesting segment of the culture. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, very cool. Uh, well, good luck. When, when's the concert? Is that and is it in Atlanta? Th-
1: that's not till next April. April. Yeah. So okay. so our, our our big thing is the trip we've got coming yeah. up. We're gonna go hit. Uh, the south rim of the Grand Canyon, and then head up to uh, southern Utah for about a week. And we may do New Year's in Vegas.
0: Oh, very cool. Well, when we talk in the new year, I can't wait to hear all about the trip and how it went. It's going to be uh, going to be neat to hear some of your stories as uh, you guys hit the road. Uh, Well, speaking of turning the page to the new year, obviously, that's where we are, Brian. So we find ourselves, I think, each year here on the podcast around this time, either looking back or looking forward. And it seems like we're choosing to look a little bit forward on this year's edition of our end of year show. What's 2023 going to have in store for us? I'm sure you're kind of getting some of those questions from folks that you talk to.
1: Yeah, we're in odd times. You know, are, are we in a recession Are we recovery? What's COVID done to us? Uh, we've heard stagflation and inflation get tossed around. All those kind of doomsday or, or scary scenarios, but um, we, we're probably turning the corner into what will be a, a recovery. But at the same time, the Fed has really yet to accomplish what it what it wants to with getting inflation under control as a barometer for how predictions go. I was at a. Cat- continuing education event out in uh, in Las Vegas, early November, and some people wanted to talk about what, what, what do people think is going to happen with the market or what's what's ahead, and uh, they called on me. I, I raised my hand and I, it, bear in mind, we're in a room with about 30, 35 you know, certified financial planners and, and you know, people with years of experience in the industry. And so rather than try to make some stupid prediction, I said, oh. I know what's going to happen. We're going to have a perfect, smooth landing. The market's going to recover. We're going to be up 20%. And yeah, you know, just some rosy, rosy scenario. And everybody in the room just you know, like fell out laughing because it was <laughs> just, just such a ridiculous idea to think that we could thread this needle uh, perfectly. But, um, you know, I've looked at some different forecasts and, and obviously let, let me just first start out Walter. I'm not trying to make a market call. I'm not a market timer. We do long-term investing, not trading. So, so what is, what is the market going to do this week, this month, you know, heck even this year, Uh, not really my, my purview to, to give you a a prediction. But as we talk about some of the stuff uh, here today, I think it'll give some people uh, some optimism.
0: So what you're not the only one. Again, you're not making predictions, but kind of analyzing others' predictions. So what what are they all saying? What are the different experts out there? I'm, I'm sure you're not the only one who kind of you know made people laugh with with what you predicted. Um, mm. what, what else What else is kind of in the chorus uh, out there? Well,
1: yeah. So uh, let's just do a, like an inventory of some of the different forecasts I've seen. Uh, Morgan Stanley, I mean, I'm sorry, Goldman Sachs thinks that we will narrowly avoid a recession next year. Okay. These are all talking about 2023. You could go back and argue that we've been through a recession because we did have two quarters of slight economic contraction this year. But for some reason, they're not going with that standard definition of a recession because unemployment was so strong. Inflation was still very high. So some, something else was, was going on. Well, uh, like I said, Goldman Sachs thinks that we're actually going to avoid this recession. Bank of America, in their infinite wisdom and, and uh, insightful forecasts, says we could fall into a recession. Yeah, thank you very much, Bank of America. For I, I could have made that <laughs> prediction. My dog could have made that prediction. I, so not, I not,
0: would not, like I would like to make a prediction, Brian. Yes, we might talk. fall into a recession. Hmm, mm-hmm. You heard it here first. Write it down. That's that's my prediction. We but but what else could happen? Yeah, yeah, could might. Shoulders, maybe. Or, or maybe we'll
1: have a mild recession or or maybe no recession, or we could even have an expansionary period. That That's how most of those, you know, we could be up, down or sideways is is the right. way most of those trash forecasts go. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll put that one in that category. Uh, the folks over at Capital Group, I put a lot of stock into what they say. Those people are all very tenured. They've been managing money for decades. Uh, they've got a very uh, rigid culture, but it serves them well. And one of their economists thinks that we could see a contraction of the economy by about 2% in 2023. So that's, you know, 2% is a, a fairly severe contraction. It, it's not like the 2008, uh, great recession level. It's, you know, it's nothing, uh, on, on the severe end of recessions, but you know, it's, it's not a mild recession for sure. That would be a little more painful, but the key here to look at is a 2% contraction in the economy. Well, that that's not going to zero it's not like the economy is just going to vanish. It'll be a slight, slight pullback that ripples through uh, a lot of things. But that same economist ultimately said, recessions are inevitable and necessary because they do clean out some of the excesses and problems that get embedded in a, in a stagnant economy. So that, that that's one uh, that's got a number to it and I, I would put a lot of stock in. On the flip side, you've got somebody like Louis Navalier uh he thinks the market is setting up for gains he thinks the worst or seems to think i don't know put words into his mouth but he seems to think maybe the worst is behind us uh we had t- just today a very good uh consumer price number came out that would indicate that the you know the consumer prices and inflation are coming under control and the market was up significantly it's it's still up a few hundred points from from where we opened so the big key will be uh, tomorrow when the the fed comes out with with their you know, predictions or guidance on what they're going to do with rates. So so Lou seems seem to think we're setting up for gains in the market. Now, that's not a prediction of recession. That's not a prediction of what the economy is going to do. We need to separate those two. But um, the, the last one was a CEO survey and 91% of CEOs are expecting a recession this year. Well, from what I've seen of the CEO index, I mean, it's it's, it's interesting to see what they're thinking. Uh, they tend to get in a group and all, all kind of think the same thing. So we'll see what happens. And, um, you know, there's, there, there's a lot happening to, and we'll go over those variables in, in just a little bit.
0: Yeah. and and I, I just always kind of remember humans are sort of bad at predicting things right so <laughs> oh terrible yeah
1: track records are <laughs> we're, awful
0: we're just terrible at it so um, I, and I know you'd like to dig in a little bit deeper on all of these things so that that's kind of like the surface level I, I feel like that's kind of like me you know I'm gonna look to the experts as, as a casual saver investor planner mm-hmm. for retirement if I'm in like level one I'm gonna be like well I don't know this I don't know all the intricacies of the industry so I'm gonna trust the experts and what they say I'm I'm going to take that aggregate of what I'm hearing from all the experts and kind of make my decisions around that. And I know you want to be more sophisticated. So where do you as a, you know, you're, you're beyond level two, but you know, where do you as a beyond level one observer and investigator of these things start to draw your attention and your eye?
1: Well, I appreciate your, your confidence in my, the level of, of <laughs> forecast and insight that I have into this. So, um, but yeah, I, I would go to the source. I mean, obviously what's happening with uh, federal reserve policy is a huge factor. I mean, that that's like the driving factor that could push markets. And you know, we, we saw it with Alan Greenspan back in the nineties when he came up with the irrational exuberance comment and the, the markets sold off dramatically. They can utter words that, you know, give people hope and, and cause the absolute opposite reaction but if we go back and look at what Jerome Powell was saying uh so it's early December he, he was speaking at the Brookings Institute and he said quote the time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting all right did you did you decipher that Walter
0: yeah so the the, the time for moderating it and 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 like you know adjusting to it uh, as greatly as we have been may come to an end so we may we may make some sort of adjustment as soon as this month.
1: Yeah, but, but pay very close attention. Okay. This is some second-order derivative calculus talk that okay. he's using here. He says the time for moderating the pace of rate increases.
0: So we're still going to increase, but maybe change the pace of
1: increase. There you go. Okay. That's it. It's, uh, it's a little bit like Joe Biden uh, saying that inflation was zero or, or just an inch. Yeah, it was still at you know seven, eight percent, but it didn't increase in in a particular month. So the rate of increase or the rate of decrease is slowing. The rate of increase of rates is slowing. If we're slowing the rate increases, that means maybe their policy's taking effect. We're we're seeing the results that they want. And remember, they've come, they're just coming off of one of the most aggressive and steepest rate hikes in history. So the risk of them overdoing it. Pushing us into a recession, causing changes in in borrowing and consumer habits. Uh, if employment begins to spike up and people are unsure about their employment statuses, th- those things will all have an impact. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But just today, like I said, we had a lighter expected uh, consumer price index. Uh, tomorrow, by the time this podcast comes out, the the verdict will be out. But as we're recording tomorrow, the the Fed's going to weigh in on on the direction of their rate policy going forward. So that that could be a big day too
0: a lot of different little moving parts that you can keep your eye on over the next uh, over the next couple of days and the next couple of weeks as we enter the holidays. But uh, how about as we look a little bit further? Um, I mean, can we just look forward here, Brian, or do we need to look back a little bit as well to understand where
1: we're going? Yeah. Well, I think looking back at, and I'll just do a quick recap of, of some market returns here because this has been a very, very interesting year. We had a you know, record up year last year and, and of course, huge recovery out of COVID uh, sell off in March of 2020. We're basically back where we were two years ago, price-wise, and maybe a little above that right now with the, the recovery that we've had this this quarter, but year to date, and these numbers are as of December 12th. You know, so these aren't true year-end numbers. I suppose anything could happen, but uh, it's close enough. The S&P was uh, down at one point twenty-four percent whereas right now we're off 16 and a about 16 and eight, 16.17%. And that's a 10% move up just this quarter. So if we look back, I think what we're seeing is we had a major sell-off in the market. Uh, everybody took the, uh, you know, the growth stocks in particular because of inflation, really took those valuations down. So now we're at a position where, yeah, this has been kind of a normal down year. We were down uh, pretty dramatically and we're gonna end up maybe down 10, 15% if, if things hold where they're at right now. Uh, that That's pretty tolerable. But we've I feel like we've had our pullback in the market. Uh, and maybe we're moving back to uh, trying to get things back on track. We'll, we'll talk about those variables in a second. International stocks are the ones that really recovered here lately. They're, they're down 12.5%, which is better than the domestic markets. And they were up almost 20%, 19.43% just this past quarter. So that was very interesting. I was almost tempted to bail out of the uh, international index. And in, in, in I, I eat my own cooking. So the way I invest my 401ks and all that stuff, just like I do with my clients almost bailed out of the international sector. that boy has been weak for so long. And, and here we are, it's had a, a 20% bounce back. So good thing. I didn't, didn't ditch that. Now the big difference, the huge difference that we've had this year in is in the style of stocks. So your growth stocks, the Russell 1000 growth was down 26% this year and was up about six and a half this quarter. Whereas, and most of my clients are in this category, they had more of the value stocks. Value stocks were only off 7% and they had a 13% recovery this past quarter. So if you were more cautious, focusing on dividends, better valuations, those stocks, uh, and, and you get a lot of utilities, consumer staples, kind of the non non-recessionary, uh, exposures there. So people still valuing the the more conservative stocks this year. It's been good for those people. And down 7%. It's very very tolerable number for a year. The crazy thing came in that bonds, we're often taught, are a ballast or a alternative. It, it's a, a conservative place to be. Well, the Lehman Aggregate Bond Index has been down 11.84% this year. So stocks and bonds have both been uh, off, and a lot of people are are really seeing that in their statements. They did not get uh, the the support and the holding of value that they would expect from from bonds. Muni's did a little better. They were down six point three eight percent, and corporates specifically uh, were down about fourteen point two percent. So the the, the corporate bond exposure is down almost as much as the S&P overall and down double what value stocks have done this year. So crazy year, uh, very interesting returns on some of those indexes.
0: So some some surprises in there, it sounds like.
1: Surprises and particularly that the the bonds have done so poorly. The good news coming out of all these rate hikes is that money markets are now paying in the high threes, maybe close to 4%. Uh, So if you're seeing a lot lot of cash where for the past decade you've been able to get no return, uh, at least you can get a decent return on cash. So that's that's kind of the bright spot.
0: Okay. It's helpful to know. Now, that's kind of the full year in review. What about just kind of in this last little segment as we get ready to turn the page to the new year? How are things kind of feeling and shaping up for you?
1: Well, obviously, fourth quarter reviews are going to probably look a lot better than third quarter reviews. And I think what we're seeing is a real testament to why you don't try to time the market. Everybody that wanted to panic, I was I was fielding a few calls there uh, end of last quarter, beginning of this, and some people feeling the pain of it. Uh, and now here we are, you know, up double digit uh, gains uh, in, in a lot of those indexes just just this quarter. So it's not the time to panic. It's not uh, try and time the market. So uh, not panicking is is going to again prove to be the wise thing to do
0: always helps not to panic. That is for sure. That's that's always great advice, right? Um, at the same time, uh, what about, I mean, it still feels very volatile, right? So we can't be complacent either?
1: Oh, no, no. definitely don't want to be complacent. Okay. Like I said, this is a very, very interesting environment. Um, I, I know mortgage rates are up dramatically. Uh, we're basically going to see housing recession, if, if you want to predict where a recession is going to occur, I, mean, I would say basically we're, we're in a housing recession because as rates go up, I mean, it could double the cost of a mortgage to go to, you know, take out one today as compared to, to just a couple of years ago. So one thing has to happen, either people are going to have to lower their prices to meet people's payment you know budget, or they're going to you know, have to buy smaller, cheaper houses, or m- most likely they're going to get stuck, you know, continuing to rent. And then that has a cascade effect on new home furnishings and carpet, and durable goods and lumber. And uh, so that that's definitely going to be a, a weight on the market. Inflation is still high. You know, we're, we're at a, a period maybe where that's moderating, but are we going to actually have deflation and see prices come back down? Are we going to maybe hold steady where we're at and, you know, take our lumps from, from all the loose money that we had? That's still probably the single biggest variable, going forward to, to watch is, you know, what this inflation number does. And I don't know about you, Walter, but I've never lived through a, a pandemic. You know, what, what's going to be the... That was the first. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how's recovering from a pandemic go? Never done that before. And, you know, we've recovered from the the financial crisis. we cover recovered from the dot-com bubble. We've, you know, heck, even recovered from the, the COVID panic uh, as it initially came on. But a lot of things have to get back to normal, uh, specifically supply chain that's slowly being resolved. We got the thing in Russia and Ukraine, uh, you just kind of that, that casually dismissing these things, but th- these are all variables that are out there. What's China going to do to ease their COVID restrictions? That's been a great drain on the, the economy. Uh, we've got terrible energy policy in this country. If, if we would do something to uh, ease the cost of energy, that would, that would help dramatically. I'm, I'm not in charge, so I can't make that happen. And and then we are remember the episode where we talked about the inverted yield curve.
0: I do remember it. Yes, inverted yield curve. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: So we had a slight inversion, and then we had those couple of quarters of contraction. And well, right now the the yield curve is I would call it highly inverted. And is that going to predict you know this recession? Is it going to be like the the Capital Group folks said and be down a couple percent? that could still happen. Unemployment still remains low. Consumer spending is strong. I mean, these are very contradictory indicators. So you you can't say we're headed to stagflation or the consumers don't appear to be suffering, although they are taking on a lot of debt. Uh, So how all that plays out, you know, will continue to be uh, worth monitoring.
0: It's just really interesting, I think, Brian, to hear all the different moving parts that go into your analysis of kind of reading where things have gone over the year, looking at next year. But it can be overwhelming just as a layperson to hear all of these different little layers right, that, uh, right. that that you kind of have to consider. And I feel like just like those early predictions, you're still kind of just left with this feeling of, okay, I don't
1: really know because – I don't know what to do, right? Yeah, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, so let's let's come up with some ways to invest. Okay. Okay. Uh, Obviously, if you have a base that has large cap, growth, value, mid cap, small cap, international, and some fixed income exposure, a little bit of REITs, maybe some best limited partnerships, whatever it is, all the different sectors, you, you should always have that. I mean, you don't want to try and be out of one particular sector or out of the market, or you know, not have bonds and things like that. So, at some level, you got to you know, put your asset allocation target together, and then and then start to build from there. You could target sectors right now. Uh, overall, the market is at a average historical price to earnings ratio. So stocks aren't really cheap, but they're not expensive either. They're they're normally priced. Normally, if you have high recession, I think if you went back to the 70s, where we did have stagflation, you know, slow growth and um, uh, high inflation, PE ratios got down into the single digits. You know, right now they're, you know, low to mid, you know, double digits, probably in the like, pull up an exact number here. I'll tell you, we finished the year. Yeah. About 15.9% is, is where we finished the quarter, which is a little bit below the historical average. But if you look at sectors like consumer durables, or if we're having a increase in the cost of borrowing, you know, people, cars, major appliances, you know, big home renovations and things like that, that might be, the type of thing people buy with credit. And if credit's costing more, uh, you could see a slowdown or or an impact on consumer durables. And and that actually bears out if you look at the short interest, and these are people that have borrowed and, and are shorting the consumer durable sector. That is the sector of the market that has the highest short interest right now. So you could hop on the bandwagon there and either avoid them, I'm not advocating that you short them, But uh, skew your portfolio, maybe to the consumer staples, utilities, financials, you know, those can definitely benefit under a higher rate environment. Could cut both ways if if rates come up too high and people can't afford to borrow and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, consumer staples, those are always very recessionary proof. People are still going to eat and maybe they, maybe they cut back from, uh, you know, fancy cuts of steak to, to, to some spam or something like that. But, <laughs> we've, de- we've
0: we've been buying more rotisserie chickens lately. So, yeah, rotisserie
1: uh, chickens. You know, yeah, Costco's got a deal on those. Or you can get those dollar fifty hot dogs at Costco too. Or the
0: or the Swedish meatballs at uh, yeah. IKEA. You know, there you go.
1: <laughs> you just make the retail rounds and you could eat like a king.
0: That's right. That's
1: right. Uh, then energy energy has been the interesting one. That has been the sector that is like up fifty five percent year to date. Well, you know, granted, everybody was beaten up on energy for so long they they were five or six year downtrend that we had seen for energy got reversed this year. But it'll be, it's going to be challenging to see if, um, if that's just driven by higher prices, you know, the, the commodity prices, or if we're actually going to see some kind of a, you know, growth spurt again for these energy companies, it's, there's so much happening on the policy front. I don't know, you know, which prediction to make there, but, um, the, the bottom line is, you know, markets are going to recover before the economy the market is also not the economy. So all the talk, all the focus on the economy misses the point of the market. And we've talked about this before in the past, the market is not a current indicator. It's not a trailing indicator. It's a forward indicator. It's looking ahead into the future and trying to say, is this terrible stuff that's happening now over and we're moving on? Or, you know, is there more of this, you know, interminably for the future? Well, the market, tends to go down about seven months prior to a recession, and it tends to recover and go back up about six months before recessions end. So if you think you can time exactly when all this stuff's going to happen, there's a th- those are averages, obviously. It's not going to happen in lockstep. But as things start to feel the worst, as the headlines are the worst, as the unemployment numbers come out, everything's going to look terrible, the market will have already started it's path to recovery. So waiting on the sidelines for an economic turnaround or or trying to predict a recession, it's not a winning strategy. Focus on your dividends. And and if you invest correctly, dividends will uh, account for about, like call it a third of your total return over time. Well, even during down markets in price, you're collecting those dividends. You're still earning those returns. If you're reinvesting them, you're going to see the uh, the recovery, impact, uh, the, the reinvestment of those dividends. So th- those are good places to focus on quality, focus on things that are recession proof, and focus on things that pay a dividend. And you're on your path on the path to, to putting together a, a very solid portfolio. The other addition, I've been negative on bonds for a long time because yields were effectively zero. It just didn't look like a good risk trade-off. And, and we're seeing that play out this year. So interest rates went up, bond prices went down, and now you can invest in you know maybe a three and a half to five and a half percent return on on a lot of different types of bonds. Treasuries, the ten year Treasury peaked out a little over four percent. I think we're back down to three and a half on that. And so uh, the the play would be either to add bonds that are paying a decent return and and just hold them. Or if rates do begin to come back down, those bond prices will go back up and you could actually see not only a good dividend, but some price appreciation for those. And, you know, just stick to your strategy. Don't do nothing is, you know, don't sit on the sideline. I'm just hit holding cash. A worst case scenario, get it into a money market, earn that three and a half four 4% that you can get right now. And then just, just put together a solid strategy uh, moving forward because, I don't know if it's going to be a year from now, three years from now, but five, 10 years from now, this is going to be look back in history as a, as a good time to invest.
0: Good, uh, good buying opportunity. If you're a long-term investor, it sounds like so sure. Yeah. good, uh, nice. good, good encapsulation of all of the, uh, the different, the different moves. It's, it's all about that perspective. You know, you turn a little bit to the left and your view of the world changes completely. Same thing in investing. If you have a, a one-year time horizon, you're pretty scared to do anything, right? You're, you're, you're kind of paralyzed. But if you've got 10, 15, 20 years,
1: your perspective is completely different.
0: And, and you can look at the exact same situation as someone else and feel totally different about it.
1: Yeah. And if you can designate which amount or which part of your money you need for a year or two or three or four, and set that aside for the money that you don't need for five or 10 years, that Gives people a lot of breathing room to say, "Oh, okay, well, this money is for the long term, but for the next one, three, five years, I've got this amount bolted down." So, distinguishing, just not treat. Obviously, you want to treat your portfolio as one big entity, but have a strategy within that entity that says, "Oh, this this piece of the pie is for this, and this piece of the pie is for that," and that usually makes people feel a lot better too, and allows them to move forward.
0: Good points across the board. All right. So if you have uh, kind of listened to today's show, we're wrapping up the year. Maybe you're going to start making some New Year's resolutions or it's just that time of year where you're like, yeah, I need to make some changes as we get into 2023. I need to get serious about retirement and my future financial strategies and plans. That's great. Uh, I hope you're motivated to action, especially if you think there might be some gaps in your plan or you might need to improve it in some way, shape or form. So if that sounds like you and you want to get the new year off to a good start and learn how to prioritize your financial goals, how to get a good handle on a plan that will help you save, invest, and manage all of these different moving parts that uh, Brian's kind of been talking about a little bit on today's show— Well, don't hesitate to reach out. Brian's there for you with 20-plus years of experience. He's been through those ups and downs of the market and will be there with you through the future ups and downs of the market as well to help you navigate it successfully. Uh, He's a certified financial planner, which is the standard of excellence in financial planning. If you don't know, CFP professionals meet rigorous education, training, and ethical standards and are committed to helping you uh, and keeping your best interest in mind as well to prepare you for a more secure tomorrow. So if you want to talk to Brian, see if you'd be a good fit to work together, uh, explore where there might be some improvement opportunities in your plan, call today or go online and get a free 15-minute complimentary call scheduled with Brian see so you can get that clarity around your financial goals. Go to livingworth.com and click Book a Call. Or 706 is the number. 706 or again, livingworth.com, and click book a call.
1: Brian, thank you for all the help on the show, not only today,
0: but throughout the year. And I uh, can't wait to see what's in store for us in 2023.
1: Yeah, well, I hope it was all helpful. And uh, 2023 is going to be a great year, no matter how you slice it.
0: There you go. I like it. I love the attitude, the positivity. Be optimist. The optimism. Enjoy your trip, and I uh, can't wait to hear about it when we uh, talk in a couple of weeks.
1: Sounds good. You have a Merry Christmas, Walter.
0: You as well. And I hope everybody has a great new year as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on Make the Dough Rise. Have a good end of your year, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors, with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit makethedoughrise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to makethedoughrise.com and get in touch through the website or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise.
0: Investment advisory service is offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.